Hey, Rockheads, it's time for NDC Oslo again, June 15th through 19th in Oslo, Norway. Richard and I will be there, of course, as well as all your favorite speakers. World-class stuff here, folks. NDC-Oslo.com. We'll see you there. .NET Rocks, episode 1149, with guest Steve Ognebeni. Recorded Thursday, June 4th, 2015. Thank you very much. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And Richard and I are here for your .NET pleasure for the next Thank hour you. or so. Indeed. Um, who's going to make the golf clap for you, sir, shirts and sell them to our fans? I don't know. I thought somebody already made one. Well, you know, we got to make an official one. Yeah, Maybe okay. we should have, you know, caricatures of you and I or something, just golf clapping or something. I guess. I don't yeah. know. It, it's become a thing. <sighs> it's funny. Yeah, it's funny anyway. I'll get you. It's definitely funny. We're, uh, what are we doing over here? We're, um... Let's make a show. I'm up for making a show. Yeah, we're up for making a show, but I'm, I'm just saying what's going on, uh, writing some code at home, working on some stuff I can't talk about. You know, you're working on stuff you can't talk about. Can you talk about what you're working on? Yeah, well, I'll tell you, the, the big thing that I've been pounding on with the past few days is we had planned Dev Intersection in the fall for the week of November 2nd to 5th, and we typically have our agreements for the venue and location and so forth more than a year in advance. Well, right. Microsoft came out and announced the MVP Summit on the same week. Yikes. And now that's not necessarily bad for attendees because most attendees, you know, aren't necessarily MVPs, but it complicates things for speakers. Sure does. And it complicates things for a lot of the Microsoft people like Mr. Hanselman and mm. Scott Guthrie and, and so forth. And so uh, over the past few days, we've been working really hard to see if there's some alternatives and we've managed to move the show a week earlier. Awesome. So that's the big scramble for me. And it, and it's, it's, I think it's really good news all around. So if you're a fan of Dev Intersection, and why wouldn't you be? And why really? We're I mean, going to be the week of October 26th. So by the time this show's out, that word should be out, the website all updated, and we're straightening things out. So hope you'll right. come out. Uh, you'll get to hang with Carl and I because we're all over the place at the MGM Grand, usually at the bar. Yeah. DevIntersection.com. Check it out. And hey, uh, Google's got some news that I want to talk about today in the Better Know Framework section. Awesome. So roll that crazy music. All right, dude, what do you got? TinyURL.com slash FishView. 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 Please tell me. Google launches new batch of underwater street view imagery. There are underwater streets to be viewed? Oh, well, they call it street view because you're down at the level of the ocean. But they here's what the story says. Google launched a new batch of regular and underwater street view imagery that lets users swim with humpback whales off the Cook Islands, dive with parrotfish off the coast of Bali, or walk on a beach in American Samoa, according to TechCrunch. In nice. total, the company added more than 40 new street view locations with this update. One of the biggest releases of the new underwater imagery since the company first launched this project in 2012. Yeah. Well, it's so get cool. a chance to go swim with the dolphins and the whales and things before they're all dead. Well, there's more than that, though. It, it's kind of an environmental thing because, you know, some of the people who have been diving and, and documenting the oceans, this is what they want to do. They want to document the oceans. This is what it looked like then. You yeah. Know, so scientists can actually go places and see what it looks like. Well, and Google yeah. Maps has been great for showing things like deforestation and drying up of lakes and, yeah. you know, all kinds of environmental impacts. So you can check it out right now by going to maps.google.com slash ocean. The uh, URL I gave you a link to is a story about it, but you can go directly to it, maps.google.com slash ocean. Nice. It's kind of cool. That's really neat. Yeah. No yeah. question. All right, man. Who's talking to us? Grabbed a comment off of show 930, the one we did with Bill Wagner when we talked about TypeScript in Studio 2013. Yes, we did. And Carl Lambert said, and this is about a year ago now, uh, first, I'd like to thank you for a great show. I've been listening for years, but have never commented, so keep it up. And I'm pretty sure we met Carl on the road trip somewhere. I think we did, yeah. One of them. I can't remember exactly where Carl, I apologize. 
Uh, during this show, I heard mention that debugging with Visual Studio was the only way to debug TypeScript files. However, NetTuts, as in Net Tutorials, and he provides a link, which I'll include in the show notes, has a great tutorial for getting source-mapped files working on Chrome, and also mentioned that it's coming to Firefox soon, which should probably be available by now. It's been a year, and so right now I'm using a Chrome, and it works great. So there are other tools for debugging things. And the post is there. It's from Asai Basu. Talks about Source Maps 101 and how to actually map out your code into a browser and be able to figure out where things are and work through your debugging process. Awesome. Carl, nice find. Thank you so much for your comment. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or on any of our social media sites, because we post to Facebook and to Google+, and coming soon, other places. And if we get comments there, we'll read them and send you a mug. And that brings us to our guest today. Steve Ognabeni is a developer in New York City, specializing in SQL Server, C Sharp, VBNet, and TypeScript. Steve started with JavaScript in the early DHTML days. Remember those days, Richard? Yes, I do. But never really fell in love until he tried TypeScript in 2013. He's the author of the new Pluralsight course, Practical TypeScript Migration, a regular contributor to TypeScript discussions and issues on GitHub, and the current maintainer of GruntTS, a TypeScript compiler task for Grunt. Welcome, Steve. Thanks so much for having me. You're uh, you're on Long Island, aren't you? Pretty close to the studio here. Yeah, sure am. As a matter of fact, I think as an extra bonus for your listeners, you may get to hear some 747s coming over. Bonus! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have taken that ferry off the end of Long Island to New London just because. And I tell you, wasn't a pretty ferry. No, it's, it's kind of a rough... <laughs> Rough uh, yeah. ride. Uh, you know, Long Island, it, to me, it's beautiful. I've, I've always uh, pretty much lived here. And uh, it's, I don't know, there's just something about uh, the beaches in the summer and the whole thing, uh, you know, and working in New York City. I don't know. I, I kind of dig the area. But yeah, some of those things are a little bit, um, the maritime stuff is a little bit beat up. I well, just I, stayed in the bar such as it was oh. and kept myself out of trouble. Yeah. Did you enjoy your course Lights? <laughs> <laughs> did you go swimming with Jaws? Pretty sure it was gin and tonic, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is beautiful out there. Uh, okay, so you really didn't fall in love with any of this JavaScript stuff until TypeScript? Had you been doing some JavaScript before then? I mean... Yeah, I mean, well, like, like I said, I, you know, I, years ago, um, I, it was really just, all right, well, can I get this thing working in IE 5.5 or, or not? And like, how's, how does Netscape do this? And, you know, that kind of stuff. And it, I, I think... What the trouble is a lot like how um, Douglas Crockford says. I, I didn't really try to. I didn't really bother to learn the language before I started using it. Um, and <laughs> that's a good line. Well, seriously, yeah, you know, and 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 I think perhaps a lot of folks are are like that because you think it's oh well, it's just this sort of toy language or, or whatever, and you didn't maybe maybe there's not much to it. Um, but I mean, it turns out that there's a lot of stuff that uh, JavaScript can do, um, which is which is just great. And it's a matter of kind of understanding what the different parts of the API are and um, the, the different things that it can do. And so um, when I uh, when I started with TypeScript, uh, I I was sitting in my uh, cube one day, right, pretty much the day it came out. I think it was October 2012. And I saw this blog post that Microsoft had come out with this new language, and and Anders uh, was behind it, Anders Heilsberg. And uh, that it basically was a, a thin shell around JavaScript to help add types to it. Uh, and that because there were types, um, you could have a, a much richer uh, language service experience. So, for example, things in Visual Studio or any other editor that supports the, uh, the language service, which nowadays there, there's many, um, can, can light up and, and show you all the different stuff that a given uh, object uh, or variable has off of it. You can dot off of it. Um, without uh, having to necessarily uh, dynamically figure it out because it's able to just know based on the way that you've you've written the app. So it infers an awful lot, right? Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the, the main thing about TypeScript. So, so I think the first thing that people think of when they hear, oh, it's a, it's a strongly typed JavaScript, it's like, oh boy, that, that might be the worst case scenario, right? Because it's, it's a crazy language a little bit to begin with. It lets you kind of do whatever, but then you have to go through and, and give lots of, type annotations, and I don't want to mess up my code with all this extra stuff. And, and I think the really important thing that is is key for folks to kind of realize at first is that you don't have to type everything. 
uh, you you can go really, really far by just doing things like uh, adding type annotations onto uh, uh, parameters on uh, function calls and things like that. Uh, and by by doing that um, and typing from kind of the inside out, uh, you can uh, get a really nice experience where uh, TypeScript will understand your code base to a really good degree and be able to help you code rather than necessarily getting in your way. So is this more just about being able to develop in the same style that you're used to with C Sharp and Studio, or is it you know really dealing with the language? Well, you know, I think. I think I, I've definitely heard people say, oh, well, um, you know, TypeScript is really just uh, Microsoft's way of, of trying to make uh, programming in JavaScript um, or make, trying to make pro JavaScript more like C Sharp. Right. And I, mm -hmm. and I disagree with that. It, it's, it's really what it does is it makes the experience of programming in JavaScript much closer to the experience of programming right. in C Sharp, which is a really big, to me, a very big distinction. Because I, the I get that. JavaScript is very functional in the way that it works, and mm -hmm. you still you still have to do things in a JavaScripty way, just because you have the the types, like the patterns well, are different. Right, absolutely, and, that, and that's the nice thing too about TypeScript is that it doesn't try to not be JavaScript. It it tries to embrace JavaScript. It just has a little extra stuff, and so. For for folks that aren't uh, you know kind of familiar with it at all, perhaps um, we'll just sort of start where uh, and so so right from the beginning they say that every uh, valid JavaScript program is immediately a valid TypeScript program, mm -hmm. and I, I think that in general that's true. So what you have to do to convert uh, JavaScript to TypeScript is basically just rename the extension. So you have a JS file, just rename it to a .ts file, and more or less you're ready to go. Now, hmm. immediately when you first do that, uh, depending on how complex the the code is, um, you'll start to get errors from the language service if you're in a uh, if you're in a program that has TypeScript support built into it. And what those errors are will be things like, "Hmm, I don't, I'm not sure if this object has this particular property," or uh, "I'm not sure what this dollar sign thing is." Um, right. What is what is that? You know, and of course, um, the dollar sign thing is probably jQuery mm -hmm. or something something like that. And so. Um, what the TypeScript team did is um, create a way where you can interact in the TypeScript system with uh, regular JavaScript that isn't actually typed by basically providing these things called definition files for them. Um, and definition files are a lot like H files if you're programming in C. It's it's just the... Um, Metadata. The, the structure, yeah. The structure of the thing that you're trying to program against and what types of stuff will be returned when you call into that. Sort of a schema, um, if you will. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And so um, there's a website out on uh, uh, GitHub. Uh, it's called uh, Definitely Typed. Uh, and basically, it's a, it's a place where people will submit uh, and maintain these definition files for pretty much every JavaScript library that's, that's out there that has any sort of popularity. There'll they'll generally be one up there. Uh, and if you're writing uh, a library in TypeScript, uh, you get those definition files automatically it's emitted by the compiler in addition to the uh, JavaScript. So you can go to definitelytyped.org as a jump-off point for that. Yep. Very cool. Yep. Well, you know, it occurs to me that this is what you... Well-structured, well-maintained JavaScript ends up with all these testing uh, inf infrastructure around it to validate all this stuff anyway. In some ways, TypeScript's just picking a bunch of this up for you. I, I think that's right. So, you know, it, it eliminates um, classes of errors, right? I mean, so, right. so mm. you, you, when, you're, when you're writing in a dynamic language, you, you know, the programmer is responsible for many more things than, uh, than they are in a, a strongly typed language where the compiler can help you. Right. Um, in either language, you have to get these things right, except in, in, at least in the, in, the, in the strongly typed language, the compiler will help you make sure that it's right. Um, now, of course, it can't. It can't know that your logic is correct. It can't know that um, you know you called something out of order. It can't. You know, there's, I mean, so there's many, many classes of things that TypeScript can't necessarily help with. Help you with. Yeah. Plus, um, you know, of course, uh, sometimes things are uh, named similarly to other things that have the same signature, and so you could be actually just calling into the wrong method. You know, these are types of things that happen in other strongly typed languages, and there's not really a, a good way to around that. And TypeScript can't help you with those things. Um, but but in general, it it, make, it makes the the programming experience, at least to me, a lot more fluid. Now you say that TypeScript doesn't necessarily give you the C sharp programming experience, but it sounds like ECMA is 
moving that way, aren't they? Well, they're definitely adding a lot of stuff. Um, I mean, so I would have said that um, that TypeScript gives you the the experience of writing in a language like C Sharp, but it it it's not providing any sort of a runtime, like right. So you don't have like the .NET framework, for example, behind mm-hmm. you. You have to um, bring your own framework. So if you if you want right. to use uh, jQuery in your in your um, in your TypeScript, you can do that. You can use Angular. You can use Naka. You know, whatever whatever the um, libraries are, or um, even uh, backend things that work uh, in in Node. If you want to program against um, Express or um, Connect or mm-hmm. you know, any of the backend stuff, uh, you know that all works great too. And there's definitions for for those things. Um, so what what's coming uh, now though, uh, which is pretty cool, and this is going to be all supported in TypeScript 1.5, which is currently in beta, mm-hmm. is support for a lot of the features that will be arriving in ES, uh, what's called ES6 or ECMAScript 6. They also call it JavaScript 2015, which um, <laughs> nobody actually is going to call it <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, right. Nobody's <laughs> going to call it that. Perhaps next year uh, with with whatever ES7 winds up being. Um, but yeah, so so in ES6, uh, the ECMAScript technical committee is, is kind of going to uh, a deployment model, not unlike how the browsers are doing it, where like whatever happens to be ready at the time they decide they're going to kind of make the cutoff point, that's what's going to be in the next version of the language. And they're kind of pursuing these various proposals um, independently. So some of the things that are coming in ES6, uh, which are nice, is um, uh, little simple things like uh, uh, let and const you can do now. So mm-hmm. you, can, you can do proper constants. Um, you can do something called let, which is similar to var, except that it's uh, scoped within the uh, squiggly braces that it's in, and you can't use it um, before. And there's, hmm. uh, yeah, it, it's it's pretty neat. And the cool thing about it too is that it, it works properly if you're doing um, loops. I don't know if you guys have ever done this in in JavaScript, where if you um, use a, a var and then you you do something in a loop without an iffy, you'll wind up um, with all the results being the same after right. you go through a loop, and you're like, what the heck happened? This doesn't make any sense. Um, so let will fix that for you. Um, it'll, it'll kind of create its own little scope while you're, uh, while you're running through a loop, which is nice. So one of the things that it supports is uh, something called destructuring, which is pretty cool. So you can have, uh, so you have an object which is, uh, has a bunch of properties on it, right? A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you want to copy those out to other variables. Um, you can actually, on the left-hand side of a, of a statement, meaning um, where you would normally just say what variable you want to set something to, um, you can have multiple variables in a squiggly brace. Mm. Uh, and then uh, have the other thing as just itself on the right, and that will suck each little variable out into, uh, or each property of the object in, out into little uh, little bits and pieces, which is pretty fun. And you can even do that in signatures too. So for example, if you have a method that's expecting a uh, like a big property bag, um, you can say um, uh, on the left-hand side, just have uh, in squiggly braces, you can um, have a couple of properties that are in there, and then those will get created as local variables inside the function, and then you don't have to worry about the rest of it. We talked to uh, Scott Allen, uh, show 1129, uh, back in April, and he was telling us about ECMA 7 being really, really interesting, where they're going to have async and await, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And that's, more, that's... even more C-sharpy features. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, um, there, there is already... Uh... Uh, an alpha uh, a pull request that's being uh, worked on to provide that support um, in the in the language, uh, and so they are they are working towards that model. It'll be nice. Uh, for now, we have something called promises, which yep. is um, you know maybe not uh, it's not the same thing, but it's uh, it's, it's close. Well, yeah, I mean it it does what it, it does what you think it does. Yeah, it, it's nice in the sense that you have the ability to declare something, and then you can basically say, if this succeeds, then proceed on to this next thing. Right. Um, it's it's a little bit to me. It's better than using the the sort of standard callback model. Right. Uh, it's a little bit more um, easy to understand because you don't have to track. You can kind of chain them together, and you don't have to necessarily track every edge case because you can have a kind of a final. Yeah. A final one that says, yeah, if anything in here failed and it wasn't handled properly, then do this. Well, this makes it like a real programming language. I hate to even say that out loud, but it's like, at what point is this no longer JavaScript? It's weird. Um, <laughs> it is. No, it's, seriously, it's and, weird. You know, honestly, when you start to use some of the ES6 features, it really starts to become, it really starts to feel like a new language, at least to yeah. me. And, you know, for for me, uh, the nice thing about it is um, 
you can use all of these ECMAScript 6 features today, or at least many of them. Um, so for TypeScript 1.5, it has all these the support for all these features, and um, it has the support to transpile a lot of these things down to ES5, which is to say that it can, mo it can work in modern browsers that are out in early 2015. So, so you can start taking advantage of some of these things today, realistically, uh, and and deploy it to production, and it won't it won't be a problem. And and you, if you're using something like TypeScript, um, you can you can you can do that without having to wait, which is nice. Yeah, I mean the the whole transpiling thing, as is interesting, because in theory that means when the newer browsers come out with the finished ECMA six implementation, the only thing that'll happen to your page is it should go faster. That is so if you're able to serve the ES6 syntax to those browsers. Right. Um, you know, plausibly the engine, the engines always get better, and as a result, the 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 ES5 style code will be faster. But there are some things that the transpilers do that, um, at least earlier versions, um, sometimes you know harm performance for the sake of accuracy. And this is not something that um, something like TypeScript does. But but as an example. Uh, I, I don't forgive me. I, I I'm not sure if it was Babel or Tracer, but um, they they wanted they wanted to be able to provide the ability to have um, let be only scoped to a uh, a squiggly brace block, right? So in right. normal JavaScript or at least JavaScript prior to ES6, you, there was no way to do that except the catch variable uh, in a try catch block was actually scoped just to the um, squiggly braces where it was. So that what they would do is they would throw the thing that they value that they wanted to then be inside the lexically scoped uh, block in order to have it really, really only be able to be used within those curly braces. Now, as you guys know, and I'm not sure how it works with the internals of JavaScript engines, but if you're throwing exceptions all the time as a regular part of going through a particular function, that, that's got to harm performance in some way. Um, and so, uh, but but of course, those libraries are intended to be absolutely correct transpilation really more than necessarily um perfect performance you, you know what i'm saying mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. yeah um i, I, I mean, think that we, for, we're all trying to get to the same goal here right write the code once and it'll run everywhere sure oh yeah absolutely i just don't know that it's true well um it's always in various states of flux isn't it i mean <laughs> Sometimes it's a pipe dream. Sometimes you think you're going to get there, but there's always something. There's always something holding you back. Well, I mean, they're still they're still working on this stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think I I found that for stuff that's ES5, as long as you're not having to support, you know, I maybe IE9 or lower. I, I think IE9 was the one that had mostly ES5 stuff, except for yeah. maybe use strict. I think IE10 and higher is pretty much mm -hmm. solid with for ES5. Um. You know, you've you've got a really solid platform that is consistent across all browsers. Now, so DOM stuff maybe is a whole other ball game, but but for actually talking about the language support, um, it's pretty much solid. With with something like a, a TypeScript or one of these other transpilers, you know, you can really use this new syntax, the ES6 stuff. That realistically, now we're starting over again, right? Probably won't be available where you can just rely on it. Yeah. A, another three or four years, maybe, or something like that. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, that, that's me for being rather conservative with these types of things. You don't want to have a customer come to your website and not be able to proceed because you were using some sort of fancy syntax. But you also don't want to necessarily hold yourself back. And that's really the to me the the place where these transpilers make a big difference. Uh, mm -hmm. Of course, TypeScript gives you not only the transpilation features, um, but also all the other awesome stuff that that you get, like the uh, the 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 excellent development experience with regards to completions and making sure that you're calling everything correctly and and all that stuff. Is the integration in Studio a big piece of making this great? I I would say um you know I I've been using Visual Studio as my primary development environment for I mean boy it's it's got to be more than a decade now. Right. And and I would say that uh it, Visual Studio definitely gives an excellent TypeScript development experience. Um, now, the good news is since TypeScript is open source um, and ever since 1.0 came out, they've actually done, been doing a lot of work to make sure that their language service, which is also itself written in TypeScript and is open source, 
uh, is usable by other editors. And as a matter of fact, um, the Atom editor, uh, which is the new uh, editor for uh, that's released by GitHub, uh, which is also uh, open source, uh, uh, has a plugin available for it that uses the Microsoft maintained language service to provide uh, an IntelliSense and editing experience and compilation experience. That's also excellent. That's written by a, a friend of mine, uh, Basarat Ali Syed, uh, nice. and is and is also open source. You know, it occurs to me that. C-sharp is not only a language, but it's the experience. It's the Visual Studio part of it. And that's yeah. what we think of when we think of C-sharp. JavaScript, however, is not that way. I mean, nope. and this may be why people have different opinions of JavaScript, because their experience of it differs from editor to editor and tool to tool. And just like everything else, if you have the right tools for the for the language and the type of development you're working on, and I'm not saying Visual Studio isn't the right tool for JavaScript, but I'm saying that there are lots of other tools out there and people have different experiences. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's one of the things that I've been trying to do my best uh, of recently was is try to use stuff that's not the part of the mothership, right? I right. mean, I, you know, I've kind of been a corporate developer for pretty much my, my entire career except for when I was doing consulting years ago. Um, and And so I've been living in kind of a bit of a Microsoft world and by trying to, you know, really kind of force myself to use stuff that's not, Visual Studio, yeah. um, you know, it's it's. I, I think I've learned a lot, and uh, like I said, this this Atom editor is 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 really good. Um, the other thing that, um, so I've I've often said to people that um, TypeScript is a bit of a, a gateway drug for Node.js, <laughs> and yeah, I just, you're not I, wrong. I mean, that's generally you know the things that think people think about in context of of uh, yeah of TypeScript. Yeah. Oh yeah. Heck yeah. Um, I mean uh, it. It's it's been great. I mean, the last couple of years have been been really really fun writing software where, um, you know, I can if I, if something doesn't quite work the way I want it to, you know, I can kind of just go and fix it. And that's yep. something that has been missing, I think, for a really long time, except for really the top top most advanced folks, right? I mean, the folks that are going to go and write a glimpse, for example. Yeah, you know, it's not everybody, um, and. Mm. Uh, so in in uh, in the JavaScript world, it's it's a little bit different, uh, and so it, it's kind of a funny thing. Uh, you, so when 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 TypeScript first came out, I was trying to figure out a good way to um, have a, a more complicated build capability than what um, Visual Studio provided by default. And right, so so I'm going to say that while Visual Studio is um, good for basic stuff if you have multiple kind of configurations that you want to build something in and uh, multiple could be something as simple as well sometimes i want this thing to be um uh, to like have the source maps and sometimes i don't um or uh, sometimes i want to run extra steps after compilation you mm -hmm. have to start dealing with all the ms build stuff which yeah. honestly is way more complicated than it's probably worth dealing with most of the time right and it's uh, not and, the tools that web developers use right right exactly exactly um, and so what I ran into was this project that was being maintained by a group, uh, which is now called Type Strong, that I'm a, now a member of, um, that was called Grunt TS. And basically, it's a it's a it's a task for Grunt. Grunt is a is a task runner, um, which pretty much means it's a thing that does stuff, yeah. but in a structured way. And I, I know it sounds like a, a kind of a crazy thing, but imagine. Um, you you wanted to have a thing that would just run like widgets, right? And and there was there's a widget for everything. There's a widget for copying files, for minifying files, for deleting files, for removing files, mm -hmm. for compiling TypeScript files, for example. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a there's kind of a widget for everything, and Grunt uh, is a good way of kind of organizing and scheduling and kind of bundling those things together so that they all kind of go in, a, in an order. There's a number of other ones too out there, like um, for example, Gulp is a big one. Right. Um, anyway, so Grunt. Uh, Grunt TS was a was a TypeScript com compilation plugin that that also does a number of other things like um, it it has like HTML transforms features into it so you can um, you can say hey by the way take all these HTML files I have in this given folder and uh, turn them into TypeScript files and so now I can kind of minify them into my uh, JavaScript and and I I can set up my views dynamically at runtime without me having to deal with like escaping them all the time. Cool. Uh, and you know, little things like that. And so, so I got involved in, in that project. And, you know, I would have never thought in a million years I'd be involved with, you know, uh, an open source project up to the point where now I'm, you know, actually in charge of the thing. So it's, yeah, it's, look it's what you've done weird. to yourself. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, no doubt. Hey, no Richard. Doubt. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is now? Uh, must be that happy time again. Yeah, it's time to make a promise to my wife to be more patient, awaiting on her to get out of the bathroom standing by a sink. Oh, my God. You really doubt all of them. A sink, waiting, promise. <laughs> all in one sentence. Yep. And I embarrassed my wife, too. So nice. What more do you want? Love you, honey. Anyway, it's time to give away music to code by audio and video collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. Music to code by is helping developers all over the world focus when focus is required. Tracks are 25 minutes long, Pomodoro-sized, and range from 60 to 80 beats per minute. They won't put you to sleep, nor will they distract you. Download the first three tracks from the original CD and three extra tracks, all at mtcb.pwop.com. That's mtcb, music to code by, dot pwop.com. Awesome, dude. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Drew Hinderhofer. Ah, congratulations, Drew. Golf yeah. clap for you, sir. Golf clap for you, sir, indeed. And uh, Drew just won the music to code by collection, a big pile of awesome from me. And if you don't know what we're talking about, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. In every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away $5,000 worth of technology to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But you got to sign up to win. And now it's your turn, Steve. If you had $5,000 to spend on technology today... What would you be buying? Uh, well, I have to say that I'm I'm very lucky to have everything that I need. So um, technologically this just, speaking, this would be yeah, this would be a a, a bonus. Um, but I, I have to say that Hololens, in my opinion, is the future of many things or, yeah. or things like Hololens, and uh, I, I might just keep it in my back pocket until one of those is available and. I know people are talking about it being fairly cheap. I don't I don't know about that. It seems like an industrial device. I'm thinking it's going to be more than 2 grand, so I'm going to maybe buy one and maybe buy another one. Wow. The, that's well, just my that's you, my guess with knowing zero about it. Well, you know, you're not alone here. And the fact I think the last 5 people that we've interviewed, Richard, have all said <laughs> HoloLens is on my Everybody list. Everybody wants a HoloLens. Yeah. For good reason. And nobody knows how much it's going to be, but uh, we yeah. tend to think that now it's not going to be so cheap. No, Microsoft has said so. point blank that it is for business, yeah. not yep. aiming it at the consumer market at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've also heard, um, you know, that since if you're going to do any Oculus Rift development, you need a PC. So there's another $1,500 there. So they're really competing with PCs, not with, uh, you know, just devices, because it is a whole computer on a, on yeah. a visor. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I imagine that'll be expensive. So that's that's what I would I would certainly say. You know, I, I think it was funny. My my wife and I were talking about it. I'm like, oh man, this thing is so crazy, and she's just like, I'm not really sure. Like, <laughs> it looks kind of silly or whatever. And she was kind of, I think, thinking about it in a in a kind of a Google Glass sort of a way. Right. And you know, I I said to her, you know, um, yesterday you were looking at a catalog. For, for buying something for our house, right? And and it was like some kind of thing that would sit in the corner. We weren't really sure how big it was going to be and, and if it would look right in the color and stuff. And we had to kind of measure and we were kind of imagining things. And, you know, maybe this is not a 1.0 application if they're not, uh, uh, you know, going to be targeting it to consumers. But, I mean, can you imagine in 10 years' time if this thing really takes oh, yeah. off? You put on the glasses, you look at the space, there's the couch. Right. Or right. there's the thing, right? Yeah. In your house, actually in your real environment. And you can look at it and decide if something is just right or not. Yeah. And 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 combine that with kind of customized manufacturing. I mean, can you even believe how amazing this thing is going to be in terms of just revolutionizing durable goods? I I, I mean, to yeah. me, I just I mean, and that's just like one application out of umpteen that you could think of in a in a in a in a little while. I mean, I, I I'm just so I'm so excited to kind of get on that bandwagon and it, and it kind of feels like the kind of thing where if you get in early, you could probably make an expert out of yourself. Mm. I agree. Hey, uh, jumping back into this, do you know any TypeScript developers that were never C-sharp developers? That is a really good question. How about probably most of the Angular 2 developers? Okay. I, I, like I don't, that. I don't actually know. That's a, that's a really good question. I haven't, 
Yeah, what I'm getting at here is, is TypeScript really a Microsoft-y camp thing, or has the broader JavaScript community embraced it like they have CoffeeScript, say? Yeah, I think, I think that um, recently, and, and I'm talking about recently, even in the last three months, um, with the Angular 2 team announcing that they're going to be developing Angular 2 in TypeScript, Hmm. I think that has opened up the eyes of a lot of developers out there that aren't kind of traditional Microsoft-y developers. You know, I, I think it to me, TypeScript is so interesting because in a lot of ways, it represents the very first thing that was the way that new Microsoft is acting. Yeah. Start- and it was Anders. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And and so it's somebody that probably nobody within Microsoft can say no to, you know, unless it's somebody like right in the CEO's office. But you're right for Google to embrace it. Yeah. That's yeah. I mean, pretty that, awesome. that I think that freaked a lot of people out. And so, um, you know, I, I suppose for your audience, of course, I mean, pretty much everyone listening to this is going to be familiar with C Sharp and is going to be familiar with um, the micro, what's, what it's like to develop on a Microsoft platform and perhaps in Visual Studio. Mm. Um, and so for those folks, uh, you know, I, I, I so encourage just to check it out, just to, um, hey, watch my course on, on Pluralsight. It talks about um, how to do this in great detail. But but pick a pick a small part of your application, uh, ideally something that's kind of central to it, something that's core, like a, like the inside of a tight loop. Um, factor that out into a different file, and then and then rename that JS file to a to a TS file, and and see what happens. Um, you you'd be really amazed at how you can kind of get started, and and how the experience, at least to me, feels feels right um it, it feels yeah. like it's 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 just the right layer level of abstraction from javascript where um it, you get all those benefits of working in a language like like c sharp and, I, and I, what i mean is the experience of a language like c sharp yeah um without actually having it not be javascript and i think that's really where a lot of other languages like uh perhaps uh dart uh, is, is one that kind of leaps to mind. Sure. Kind of went wrong where they 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 tried to not be JavaScript, mm. and and I think that is is a mistake. I mean, Brendan Eich is always saying bet on JavaScript, and so far the guy's been right. Yeah, Brendan Eich's got his own set of problems, but I'm I'm with you. Everything on paper about Dart seemed like an awesome idea, and it just went nowhere. Yeah, you know, there's something about being cross-platform, mm-hmm. um, and for whatever reason, in the 90s, JavaScript kind of won. And and when the web got bigger and bigger and bigger, there were more and more folks depending on JavaScript to be the way it is and to be weird. And, you know, I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. the thing. Mm-hmm. There's little bits of JavaScript that are a little bit weird. Um, you have to kind of live with that and and to have compatibility with that. And 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 so everyone's kind of bought into that. It's really, to me, the, the one platform where it really is kind of right once run everywhere and, and 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 the only things that I deal with you know I'm being a person that maintains grunt ts which works cross platform by the way it works on linux mac and pc mm-hmm. um is dealing with little things like um you know using backslashes instead of forward slashes and stuff like right. that right um and and in fact a lot of that stuff is even abstracted away things like node the environment itself will realize that when you're calling into uh, an api that is representing like a file path It'll just know that it's on Windows and flip the slashes um, for you, kind of thing. Um, you know, you, you just have to kind of be aware of stuff like that, um, and and try to program always in the Unixy way when you're writing it, and then it'll just work right on Windows. Right. Yeah, it's interesting that that's a more bigger constraint. I think that's the the challenge of the modern web developer these days. It's just knowing where the exceptions are going to land, right? And I mm-hmm. I think the resistance to grabbing onto a tool like this is just. You wouldn't go here thinking cross-plat, which you're thinking is I can build my particular app with my set of constraints faster. I mean, am I wrong there? Like, it just has never seemed to have been the emphasis on cross-plat. Um, I, well, I mean, so it, I think it's not something that they maybe talk about so much, um, but it is something that's, to me, important. I mean, when you go to a, a web development shop these days, I mean, what do you see? There's there's Macs everywhere. Yep. Um, and so this is a tool from Microsoft that uh, you know they they made darn sure since it works on a platform like Node. And by the way, it does also work on WSH. Uh, just in case you don't have Node available, although it's mm-hmm. a little trickier to call. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you um, 
you can use it in in kind of either either scenario and and you know I, I think that perhaps has been uh, another reason why it's kind of gained a lot of uh, a lot of attention especially over the last few months is that you don't have to worry it it's not it doesn't feel like a microsofty thing yeah. right well you know macs are great windows runs awesome on it yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I, but I think another big part of this is, is you know, you're, what you're really bringing up is Safari, yeah, which mm-hmm. seems to be the new IE6 these days. It's like it's the browser that a lot of people are still depending on, and it just hasn't kept up. You know, I forgive me, I I, I can't I can't really comment on that, Richard. I, I don't <laughs> I don't really know. <laughs> you don't want to know. Hey, I I got a question. What is it like being the current maintainer of Grunt TS? What does that entail? Like, what is your job as the maintainer of a of a project? It's it's a fun job and it's kind of weird. So I, so first of all, other than occasional thank yous and stuff like that, I don't I don't get any money from it. It it's kind of a ho- a hobby for me, and mm-hmm. you know, it's just it's just for the heck of it. And I it scratches kind of an, an intellectual itch uh, for me, which is sure. fun. And actually, it was funny. The, the way I got involved in it is that um, uh, I, I just started kind of posting things, and and uh, I think I added a really teeny little feature to it. And and then the guy that was running it previously, Basarat, he had some other things that he was interested in. And he goes, hey, want to be in charge of it? And I yeah. said, sure. <laughs> sounds good. So, what have so, you done? Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, that's I guess that's kind of how it is. Um, but you know, boy, I've learned a lot um, over the last um, say year or so that I've been working on it. Um, so yeah, so so people will post issues. Hey, um, you know, this didn't, this doesn't work now. I I, I submitted this um, this uh, this setup in my grunt file, and and TypeScript didn't compile the way I kind of expected it, or I got an exception or something like that. And and it's just tracking that kind of stuff down. Um, I use a lot of um, Node Inspector, which is basically a way to run. Uh, when you run a, a JS file in Node.js, it'll pop up the Chrome DevTools and set up a HTTP session between the Chrome DevTools and the running Node.js. And you can use the Chrome DevTools to kind of step through your JavaScript as it's running inside Node, um, which is pretty fun. And um, you know, the nice thing about uh, debugging with TypeScript, so, so Grunt TS is itself written in TypeScript, mm-hmm. is um, you can use source maps with it. So you can actually debug your TypeScript as it's written in TypeScript, Neat. or you can just read the JS. And honestly, the JS is not all that different than the code that you wrote. Um, 90% of it is exactly the same. Um, the differences are, A, they don't guarantee white space will be exactly identical. They'll guarantee that there'll be some white space where there's some white space in your code, but not that it'll be exactly the same, like... Um, totally blank lines are often uh, eliminated in the emitted JavaScript. Um, but and, and other things like if you have a class and you're compiling down to ES5, uh, it'll it'll just emit it as a as a function and then do the right thing uh, with the sort of uh, constructor pattern that's built into TypeScript. Do you decide what uh, requests get pulled in? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's cool. Yeah, you know, I I kind of try to run it like. Um, <sighs> You know, Richard, you're always talking about software that's kind of not dead but done, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and while while I'm I'm certainly not going to say that Grunt TS is done, I I try to run it like a fairly mature project, um, which is to say we're not we're not doing wild experimentation with it. Um, it's working software that um, hundreds or maybe thousands of people depend on, um, and uh, you know, so so a lot of it is bug fixing. Um, really, honestly, the most work that I've been doing recently is writing tons and tons of tests. Um, huh. And, a, and a, a problem I'm having right now. So, so it's interesting working on open source because real software starts to have problems that you never kind of anticipated when it was originally written. Sure, sure. Um, you know, and so... Uh, Story all of my of life. The, yeah, no <laughs> doubt. So all the tests were originally written as integration tests. And yeah. so it was given a set of input... Um, Basically, uh, it would pass all those inputs into the TypeScript compiler. The TypeScript compiler would compile the code, and assuming that it didn't crash, everything was cool. So, A, we weren't really doing assertions other than didn't crash, um, which is a problem. Um, and yeah, so, set the bar as, a bit higher than that, right? Yeah, and plus the fact that it was slow. So it wasn't it wasn't so bad when there were twenty tests and it took a minute to run, but. You know, now we're we're in the the fifty and sixty tests, and we're doing more complicated things. And so it got to the point where it was taking like five minutes for the whole test suite to run. And you know, while I know that the code is quote unquote correct in terms of it compiled properly, 
essentially instantly um, to as to whether or not it's actually going to pass the right switches through to TSC and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was a bit of, a bit of a challenge. So so what I've been doing recently uh, is uh, wor- working on a way to kind of abstract away the call to TSC so that in situations where I'm just expecting a certain sw- set of parameters to be passed. Um, I can basically re- dynamically replace the function that actually calls TSC with basically a, a stub that will record what parameters it would have passed uh, and then just report those back. Um, and that that happens essentially instantly, uh, which is nice. And so I'm, mm. I'm slowly working on converting those over. Plus, I'm adding um, support for TypeScript 1.5, which I, there's there's probably been five or six um, requests in the last couple of weeks just for, hey, can you get 1.5 working? We really want to check out the decorator feature, um, which is uh, basically something that Angular 2 is going to support heavily. It's kind of like, um, you know, at C Sharp where you can do, um, you can like, for example, mark a class as serializable. Mm-hmm. Um, decorators is a way in TypeScript uh, to be able to uh, mark classes and functions as having uh, special properties and then it emits metadata into the JavaScript where you can enumerate through and kind of find which things have which capabilities. So attributes, basically. Basically, For the yeah. C-sharp developer. Yep. What, um, what, are there things that TypeScript just can't do that people wish it did? Maybe even you? Uh, so I would say that uh, almost everything that I want to do, TypeScript does, almost everything that I want to do in JavaScript, TypeScript does really well. Um, the only things that it doesn't let you do are certain. So TypeScript really doesn't like you to add stuff to an object that it doesn't expect to to be there, uh, which is kind of the whole point. That's the point, right? That's the point. So right? it doesn't and like so dynamic objects. It kind of doesn't like dynamic objects. It, so so it'd be, it would be nice to basically... Turn and I'm off. not even sure. I don't. Even, yeah, I don't even know how you would how you would do this. But well, basically, to say, um, hey, every so often, I kind of want this thing to be a little different, um, and and that would be nice. Now, one thing it does let you do is it lets you, if you pass in um, a uh, a switch uh, to the compiler, it lets you do. Um, so so everything in, in in JavaScript, every variable is basically a property bag. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can just say, here, hey, here's some variable, and then we're going to do dot name equals this, mm-hmm. and that'll create a property called name if it's not already there, and, and assign it whatever value that right. you, you put on the right hand side of the statement. Um, so, uh, it, but in addition to that, it, you can also instead of the instead of the dot notation, you can also use a, a an array notation with square brackets and have the property name be a string, um, and uh, and so you can do that if you pass a certain switch to it, uh, which is um, suppress implicit any index errors, it's called. So mm-hmm. you can index into the object, and uh, basically it never knows what that's going to be um, because you, it's actually the string that's that's the property name is assignable at runtime. Uh, you can basically say, you know, even if I have implicit, no implicit any turned on, which is the way that I prefer to write, it's a stricter mode of TypeScript, um, it'll let you basically get away with it. And to me... Having no implicit any turned on, and having also that extra one that came out in one point one point four, which basically lets you fudge it with mm-hmm. the uh, indexers, mm-hmm. um, that to me is like it's just right. It could be um, a so, little cleaner though, couldn't it? Yeah, like that's the thing. And I, I'm, I, again, this is something that I, I might be asking for the impossible, right? I mean, I, I want a language that's strongly typed, and I want to be able to do whatever I want. I, I, I'm not sure. That's what I was thinking. Aren't you just undermining the whole point? Yeah, of I know. Sure. So that's, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, right? So, so that would be something I like that I wish types, was the least except here. when I don't. And yeah, when I don't, yeah. get out of my way. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's understandable. And I'm looking forward to async and await because promises are, while they're nice, you know, I think async and await spoiled a lot of people yeah. uh, in, in C Sharp and Visual Basic. And, and, I, and I'm looking forward to that. Um, all the new ESX stuff I'm, I'm super excited about. You know, the only other thing that I've been kind of banging on the drum with TypeScript for a long time is that in and, and this is something, honestly, that I don't know if you guys kind of agree with this, but Microsoft loves to write 80% of the solution and kind of figures their vendors will take care of the, the remaining 20%. Yeah, right. And, yeah, I, yeah. and I think that's something that, honestly, they've been doing since the 90s. I mean, I remember, like, I used to be an SMS 2.0 admin, like, you know, way, way back when. And, oh, and so that, you really did hate yourself. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. I mean, that was that was like the poster child for basically, hey, let's let's get 80% of a solution and then expect our vendors to do the and remaining hope, And then hope for the best, yeah. Yeah, 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 pretty much, right. And so... Well, 
I, I don't think Microsoft will ever kind of get away from that. Maybe, uh, you know, these things, things maybe are a little bit better, but one of the things that they don't do well enough on is kind of helping you with what I like to say is like medium advanced projects. So like easy projects are, are pretty straightforward to get started, right? So when you start with a TypeScript project, if you've never done it before, you'll be, say, 30 minutes to an hour behind the developer that never, that just did it straight in JavaScript, right? Right. And that hour to 30 minutes, if you're just going to learn, like, how do I get it to compile? Okay, great. Now, how do I do this, right? So there's a certain amount of time that's involved in that. It's a new um, tool. You got to learn it. Right. Yep. It's a new, yeah. So you have to accept yep. that, that maybe you'll be less productive for a couple of days. But you know what? If you're working on, on software of really any reasonable size, um, it's it's so worth it. I mean, even just to not have to deal with like the fear of renaming a variable that doesn't quite mean what it says anymore. <laughs> you, yeah. you know, like I've like had that fear many times. Oh, yeah, how sure. do we get there? That's such a good place to be. Yeah, and and it it's no fun being in that situation. And with TypeScript, man, in 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 uh, Atom it. or Visual Studio, man, F two, boom, done. You know, and you, that deal. thing is renamed and it's correct. You know, and yeah. it, and it's really really good uh, as long as you're not. Um, you know, basically saying, hey, I don't want to really do typing in this. And, and in that case, it, it can't know, just like in regular JavaScript, it can't know. Uh, so the thing that Microsoft really doesn't do yet for you in medium-sized projects is it, there's not a great way to kind of cross-reference um, libraries properly. And and here's hmm. what I mean. Say, say, for example, you have, imagine a standard late... Yeah, late 90s style client server application, right? You're going to have uh, a client executable, you're going to have a server executable, and you're going to have a couple of DLLs, right? There might be a client-only logic DLL, there's a server-only logic DLL, and then there's like the shared DLL, right? That has all the interfaces in it and everything else. And what I just explained is probably something that's super familiar to everybody that listens to this show. And and by the way, to someone like Anders, which is the, the thing that it's always kind of made me wonder about. And they don't really do a great job of helping you without having to write scripts like GruntTS, which is kind of the reason I got involved in it, to kind of copy definition files around and to make it right to basically plumb up a project so that everything properly cross-references everything yeah. else while it's separate. Um, right. it, it does fine if you have everything like in a single Visual Studio solution. That's fine. And then you just kind of have to configure like um you know kind of a maybe a more custom build script but again we're talking about something that's not all that conceptually complicated and yeah. is kind of the is kind of the whole point of typescript which is that it helps you develop javascript applications that are non-trivial without having um uh ha having to ha being able to make mistakes and things like that i mean so there's mm. like the whole it's the whole kit of it right. and for that medium sized project where you wouldn't think you'd have to write a lot of custom scripts to get everything kind of organized. You kind of do still. Right. And I, I hope that this is something that they fix in, in future versions. And they are actually working on a couple of improvements with regards to at least helping libraries um, be resolved properly. Those, those are all, that's all coming out in TypeScript 1.6, which I'm assuming will be uh, in a, you know several months from now. Yeah. Uh, maybe in September, October timeframe, maybe around the time of Visual Studio 2015 RTM. Um, but not just to paraphrase you here. You just think that the getting your dev environment, getting to build one is still harder than it needs to be? No, it's it's not build one. Build one is easy. Right. It's, it's the medium-sized project. So so if you imagine, so uh, yeah, I know you had um, Steve Sanderson, is that his name? On, yep. Uh, he's doing the Azure portal, right? They're using Knockout and they're using TypeScript. And, and if you're dealing on a project of that size, you expect to have to do a lot of this work, this oh, manual, sure, yeah. manual work of like, you know, plugging stuff together. It's going to be hard. But then again, you're also creating the Azure portal. So you have incredible geniuses working on this thing, right? Yes. You, you and, have the and, best and brightest, which immediately puts you out of the scope of most projects in the world. Correct. Correct. And on a simple project, um, you expect it to be very easy. And with TypeScript, honestly, it is. You know, there's that little bit of time you have to spend to get everything kind of working right and to configure your settings and to make sure the paths are all kind of really reasonably organized. But in that single project setup, TypeScript is very easy. You're, you know, you're right. writing writing an ASP.NET website or any kind of website. It doesn't have to be ASP.NET. It could be Rails or something. You can make it your TypeScript. Um, it compiles beautifully. Everything is great. It's that medium-sized project where you mm. really want to kind of componentize. Like, hey, I'm going to have this thing be its own little library. I'm going to have this other thing be its own little library. And now I want to kind of plug these things together. It doesn't. There's not a great story yet. There's still far too much scripting that's necessary. And so that's the thing that I hope that 
the TypeScript team kind of thinks about and, and kind of works on. Um, it, it's that, that to me, that's the only thing that I think is. It's not that it's impossible. It's mm-hmm. just that you have to do it yourself. And right. I'd rather not. I'd rather not have to plummet myself. Do you find that there are traditional JavaScript programmers that like the sort of sloppiness of it? You know, and that, what I mean by that is the, you know, the dynamic nature of it. Just like being able to pull variables out of from nowhere and yeah, and don't like the structure of TypeScript. And what kinds of pushback do you get from those guys? Um. You know, I, I definitely um, have heard many criticisms of, of of TypeScript, and and yeah, you're right. I mean, it it when you write TypeScript, you tend to be a little, you tend to have to be a little bit more disciplined with how you're structuring your code. Mm. Um, you know, I think I think the good thing is that if you want, so the type the type system in TypeScript is in fact entirely optional. Huh. When you declare a variable, you can assign it the type any, which is a great type. It just means it's regular JavaScript, right? Oh, so, so you, you can, can have dynamic objects. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right, but then you don't get any strong typing. Sure, right? So it would on be that, that object only, but you could have on, other objects that correct. Yeah, correct. Absolutely. Yeah, and and so so you can you can use it in a, in a totally JavaScript way all the time, and it's not it's not a problem. The, the trouble comes when you start to assign a type to something, and then you add something else. Um, yeah, yeah. It, unless it kind of expects that that might be there. And you can have optional properties too, right? So you can say, this particular object maybe implements this interface. Um, but uh, say like, um, you know, you, it has to have foo, but bar can be optional. You can, you can uh, in the interface, when you declare it, you can say bar is with a question mark. Right. And it's either there or not, and it doesn't, it doesn't care. Okay. Great. Well, Steve, before we let you go, we're almost out of time here. Just tell us briefly about your Pluralsight course. Oh, sure. Um, so it's called um, Practical TypeScript Migration. And um, what I did is create a, um, so it's sort of a funny thing. I had to write a sample project in JavaScript, and I hadn't really done that in more than a year because I've just been so happy with TypeScript. Mm. I, haven't, I haven't had to write regular JavaScript, uh, and it was so painful. Oh, my God. <laughs> Um, but anyway, I did it, I did my best and I, and I promise I didn't cheat. I didn't write it in TypeScript and then just take the compiled output and, and then basically call it JavaScript. Um, and so it's a, it's a proper single page app. It's called, there's this app called coin counter and, and you can, uh, it's a game for children to play. Uh, and it uses knockout and jQuery and bootstrap and, and big JS and a number of other libraries that it's, it's basically a proper business app, right? So it's not boring like a business, you know, forms over data app would be, but it's, it's properly a business app, the kind that you might write in a corporate IT department. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I just take it and I convert it to TypeScript, you know, step by step. So we go through, um, what what makes a good first candidate? Um, how to destructure an application so that you can kind of make it modular? When uh, the first sample project, everything is in one massive JavaScript file. Yeah. Um, and and so I, I talk about how to kind of take it piece by piece. Um, I, I walk through the steps of like what it's like when um, a file it, or w- when a project is is half JavaScript and half TypeScript, and how do you kind of deal with that? Um, and one of the, one of the important things too is, is kind of going from the inside out. Um, if you, if you type an inner function, then when you convert things later that call that inner function, they will automatically have the types that that inner function exposes. Mm -hmm. And so if you work from the inside out, it's kind of opposite that you would think like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to have like my most critical thing. But if you work from the inside out, your types automatically are correct as you kind of broaden the the scope of TypeScript, and I, I talk about other things too, like um, how to have a uh, an escape patch if you decide you hate TypeScript. You know, you can basically just continue working and, and delete the TypeScript files, and kind of you're good to go. And talk about um, you know team members and and how to deal with folks that are not so excited about it, and kind of declaring TypeScript free zones and wow. all sorts of stuff like it's that. So yeah, comprehensive I mean, it, then yeah, it's a practical course. I mean, so it it shows everything. Everything gets converted over to TypeScript. It uses Visual Studio, but then there's a whole section. Um, the last third of it is. Uh, how do we optimize now the delivery of our JavaScript using Node.js? And I demonstrate GruntTS. I demonstrate how to do a build system, how to take advantage of Node.js, uh, something called um, Uglify.js to do minification, <laughs> uh, and basically how to make a, a proper TypeScript build plaf- uh, pipeline that works correctly uh, cross-platform. So if you have Unix folks or Linux folks uh, or Mac or whatever, uh, they can do it too. Steve, thanks very much for spending this time with us. It's been great talking to you. Thanks so much. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks.
.NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the FCC.